well, thanks for having me up here, Bryce. Uh, if you guys don't know, Bryce and I are both on our student ministry team. Uh, Kaylee's also on it. Uh, she'll be up here baptizing some, uh, some students next service. But I wanted to have a conversation with Bryce. Uh, Bryce, has been, Bryce, how long have you been a part of our team? Um, I started last year in August, so a year. Last year in August. And Bryce is like, I'm just going to say it, he's like way smarter than me. That's not uh, true. That is not true. He, it was either go to school to be uh, a doctor or work Boy, for a well, church. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> and he picked work for a church, so he's got a lot of potential. But anyways, all that to be said, um, Bryce, Bryce likes to read. Bryce is very intellectual. Uh, and so he's always like reading these books and, and he comes into the office all excited and like somehow he got access to this new book all about uh, millennials and students and the current trends. All, tons of research compiled in this book, and he like signed up for this like book club and is part of this blog, and they sent him this book. And so he's been, we've been talking a lot about it. And this is some like cutting edge information about what's going on in our culture with students and, and just young adults in general. Um, it applies to a lot of different people, and it's kind of this transition that we're seeing about how people view Christ. And so I just, uh, Bryce, uh, through a lot of this research and learning you've been doing and your experience in student ministry over the last year and a half or so, what, what, like, what's the biggest thing that you've taken away? Ooh, that's hard. Um, there's so much in this book that's really awesome. Um, but if I had to pick the one most important thing, the one thing that like, after reading, like, it struck me at a heart level and I read this and I was like, oh, like, th- th- this, can't, like this fact cannot be true. Um, but it is. And, and it would probably be that um, 40 to 50% of graduating seniors that were involved in youth groups or involved in, in high school night or boom, like um, after they graduate, they never reconnect to a church. That is 40 to 50% of high school seniors, of students that come up through the church, never come back after they graduate when they go to college or they enter the it's workforce. Crazy. It's insane. I think we have a, a picture to help show this. We do, I think. Um, and this is a picture of all the, uh, I think it's a picture of all the students we took. So that's 85 of us at high school camp mm. last year all of our students, and, um, and when half of those graduate, let's see what happens. Half of those students, we, we picked them at random. <laughs> yeah, so we, <laughs> just right down the middle. It's fine. <laughs> but that, that breaks my heart, man. Mm. Like, that, 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 that's so true that, like, half of those students, like, are going to totally disengage. Mm. Totally disengage. These are students that have come up, like, parents, these are your students that are in boom, that, that come to high school night, that serve. They disconnect and they disengage after they graduate. And it, it's, it's so hard to look at that picture because like knowing these students, right? And without the picture, it might just sound detached. But when you see that picture, it's like, man, these students have lives. These students have stories and these students are falling away for some reason. Those are our students. Those are our students. So what, you know, what do you think is causing that? What's leading to that? Yeah. And, and so this book talks a lot about uh, why that might be happening. And actually we've kind of seen it a lot here. Um, and it's this idea that students' faith um, it's not based on Jesus. The students' uh, faith, is, they don't have a, a, an accurate understanding um, of who Jesus is and why they need Jesus. It's based on something totally different. So You want to know what it is? You guys want to know what it is? Um, so it turns out modern-day students, their, their faith um, is like this Christianity without Christ. And that, that might sound in, like, interesting, bizarre, but just go with it for a second. These students are basing their faith um, on this really, really big term, okay? Oh, please share this big term with us. We are dying to hear it, right? <laughs> it's three words, all right? It's moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic, therapeutic deism. Well done. <laughs> well done. I'm proud of you. Um, and it, these students are coming in, and they're seeing, they're hearing about Jesus, so they're hearing this message, but ultimately what they're taking away from it is that there's a list of do's and don'ts. I should have this moral code 
um, of how to live my life, which is the moralistic, therapeutic. And then if I live life this way, I should feel good. Hmm. If I do good, pardon the grammar, if I do good, I'll feel good. And that there's this God. That, that's what they're basing their faith so off it's of. It's kind of this faith that's like, I'm going to follow God because it makes me feel good about myself. Yes. Hmm. Yes. And they're following God. But it's so interesting. We, we'll we'll uh, baptize students, and when we baptize them, we have conversations. Mm-hmm. We go through numerous conversations to make sure they, they understand what baptism is and why they want to do it. And on occasion, we'll hear students say um, about, they'll mention times that they um, uh, entered into a relationship with Christ. And when they talk about that, they say, man, I just remember this one time I felt good and I had this feeling. And we're like, okay, go on. <laughs> and then they go on and they talk for 10, 15 minutes, and they never once mentioned Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, man, there's some kind of disconnect. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's not real. Right. It just means that they might not be connecting all the dots. Exactly. That's crazy. So then what happens when they go to school? Why are there so many of them? That, yeah. What happens to that kind of a faith? So, so these students, when, when they take their faith, um, this moralistic therapeutic deism faith, and they go to college or they enter the workforce, they, they face people who think differently than them. Right? Like their faith is put under pressure. It's put under scrutiny. And so they go into a place and they think, man, if I follow God, if I do this thing and I don't do this thing, I'm going to feel good about myself. They meet, they meet people who say, hey, I do all kinds of things that make me feel good, but I don't believe in God. And so they get to college and they quickly uh, see that their faith is very fragile and that it doesn't have a good foundation. It's not based on Jesus. It's based on if I do good, I'll feel good. Yeah, I, I can imagine going to school and, you know, basing your whole life or your whole uh, kind of uh, theology about God on, on the fact that it makes mm. you feel good. And I mean, can you think of a better place to go and explore <laughs> other things that feel good right. and, and experience that freedom and say, man, that, that feels good too. Like what, yeah. what's, what's the problem? Um, dude, it, it's so interesting. So these students are going to college and the, their, their faith is based on this thing that's do good, feel good. Right. And so all these other students are saying, Hey, I do this. I do this. I go to this party. I do this thing and I feel great. So how does your God fit into this? And so without that foundation, these students' uh, faith is very fragile, and they're missing that foundation, right? And so that's why, like, what we do with students and why this church is so important um, is because we are doing everything that we can to help these students have a faith of their own. Yeah. To to believe um, in their heart and to do everything that we can to get them in front of Jesus so they can understand, man, like, it's not just this do good, feel good. It's not behavioralism. It's not moralistic, therapeutic deism. Man, it's Jesus wants a relationship with me and I'm broken, and I need him so much, and I can't do anything on my own without him. And if I want to have this relationship with Christ, then, man, I have to understand that I'm broken, and I need him. It's these students that have this Christianity without Christ. Um, and, man, that just doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't. Well, that's awesome, and, and I'm excited. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning, too. Mm-hmm. That, and um, yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about is how Christ fits into Christianity um, and the story of God. And so I'm really excited to share that. Dude, I'm super excited. We have, we have students getting baptized next. Yeah, we do. Next, uh, <laughs> Four of uh, them. Yeah. We have four. We had like we had twelve. <laughs> Getting students to commit to a Sunday and get their families here is like hurting cats. So we went from twelve yeah. to four, uh, and it's going to be super special. It's super awesome. We have four students that understand their brokenness and yeah. have, have come to this position where they they have accepted Christ and they want everyone to know. That's great. It's so awesome. Well, let's uh, let's check out one of their stories right now. I grew up as a Catholic and I was baptized as a baby and I was, um, I, didn't, I never went to church, I never understood who God was. When I grew up I viewed God as just someone who kind of looked over me and my family and I never really knew a lot about Him or Jesus or how He died for me or any of that. So when I was 12 my parents 
uh, went through a really rough divorce and kind of destroyed our family in many different ways. My mom had done some bad things and I viewed her very negatively and I thought that God wasn't there for me through all of that and that he was doing it to hurt me and to hurt my siblings and to hurt my father. Yeah, I was very angry at God at that time because I just, again, I thought that he was just doing it to hurt me and my family and I just didn't see him in my life at all. So in February, I found out about 514 through going through my Instagram and I went on my Discover page and I saw a picture of a girl getting baptized and something in me told me that I needed to like find out about what happened with her and her story. So I direct messaged her and she told me about high school night and about 514. So about a week later, I went to 514's high school night and everything kind of just changed from there. So one night at high school night, we were learning about the gospel and we were learning about sin and how people are just consumed by sin and how Jesus saved us from that sin by dying for us on the cross. And I'd never really been told that the whole story about how Jesus died for us. I, I would go to church, but I would never really hear about it in the way that I did at high school night. And at the end of the message, there was a prayer um, where asking us to just accept God and accept that he died for us. And if you believed it, to pray the prayer. And I did. The months after I had accepted Christ, um, my relationship with God had been growing. I started doing like devotionals and getting more involved in other stuff, just like on my own and with the church. And recently I like went to Starting Point and we were talking about um, like forgiveness. And just yesterday I like told my mom that I for like forgave her. I can't. After accepting Christ, I view myself differently because I'm more of a people person now and I've learned to love people for who they are. And I used to be very negative and very kind of mean towards other people. And ever since I started my relationship with God, um, my relationship with people has definitely improved. Um, if I could say something to other students about God, I would say that he helps in ways that nothing else can. Um, these last few months, I've just learned how amazing people in general can be, and the people at 514 have really changed my life. I have so many great relationships that I know are going to last a lifetime, and I've been working a lot with the kids' ministry and getting involved more and learning what it means to be involved in a church, because I've never experienced that before. My name is Jules, and I'm getting baptized today because I want to show people that Jesus died for me and for my sins and what all he's done in my life for me since then. And I just want to show everyone how much I love him. Um, we're going to move some things around, and I'm going to share a message. Uh, this is something that uh, I, I love to share. I've done this with our students a few times. Um, in some of the baptism videos, they've actually, uh, some of these students have, have talked about um, a message that we've done with our uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers. And it's called Blue, Black, Red, White. That's what this graphic is. This is Don Cuts. Everybody say hi, Don Cuts. There we go. Um, that's perfect right there. There it is. And this is, this is by far my favorite thing to talk about, is this idea um, of blue, black, red, white. Um, and this is what this is. This is the story of God. So I grew up in church, right? I grew up in Sunday schools and vacation Bible schools, and I grew up hearing this message. And it's it's still not old for me. 
It's still my favorite story. Uh, a year ago or so, I had this conversation with Joel, and Joel actually came up with blue, black, red, white. And what this is, this is a really simple tool to share the story of God. And I got really excited about the gospel last year, and I told Joel, I was like, Joel, can't we just like talk about like Jesus every Sunday, all the time? And he was like, but then like people got to learn practical things. So I got off that, you know, excitement real quick. But all that to be said, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be more passionate about what I'm about to share with you. And I've heard this hundreds of times. And so whether you've, you've heard this before, whether you've heard me do this as a student, whether you've never heard this before, or whether you've heard this a dozen times, every time I dig into this story of God, every time I dig into the story of, of, of Jesus and how this applies to my life, I learn something new. This is the simplest and most confusing thing that you'll ever understand. And I mean that, and that's so weird, and that is the paradox that we're in. And so I'm going to start at the beginning, and it starts with blue. So I say blue, you say perfect. Blue? Blue? Great. So in the beginning, we have to start with the beginning of the story. When we talk about the story of God, when we talk about the story that is us, it's so important that we start at the beginning. And because in the beginning, it wasn't like it is now. The Bible teaches us that in the beginning, God created the world and created people. He made Adam and Eve. And the thing about the beginning is that it was perfect. This is the way that God designed it to be. And we, we read in Scripture that he made Adam and Eve, and they had this very unique relationship, this very special relationship. And Adam and Eve literally got to, like, interact with God. They got to walk around with God, have conversation with God, interaction with God. There was no brokenness. Uh, when he made them Adam and Eve, they were never going to die. They were never going to die because there was no such thing as death. It was perfect. There was no sickness. There were no earthquakes. Nothing bad could happen. Uh, it says in Genesis that God saw all that he had done, and it was very good. Everything he made, he looked at it and said, this is good. It's perfect the way I designed it to be. But it didn't last that for long that way. Um, and we get to black. Uh, I say black, you say broken. Black, black. And brokenness is the next part of the story. Because what happened when God made Adam and Eve, this perfect world, the way he wanted it to be, uh, he gave people free will. They weren't robots. And he said, you have the ability to make all kinds of decisions. Um, but there's one decision I want you to not make. He said, you can do anything you want, just don't eat off of that tree. And Adam and Eve, inevitably, it was a matter of time, a very short matter of time, before they did the one thing that God told them not to do. And that was the first time that sin entered the world. And sin is just them disobeying God. And sin separated Adam and Eve from God. Now things aren't perfect. Now things aren't the way they were, the way they were designed to be. And, and so people are separated from God, and people experience sin in their life. And so Adam and Eve went from this thing that looked like God and resembled God to this thing that was broken and not what he wanted it to be. And so death comes into the world, and, and for the first time ever, Adam and Eve's bodies, they start to break down. Now we have brokenness in the world because of sin. And so we, our bodies start to die and we pass away physically, but this death also represents a spiritual death. And now spiritually, Adam and Eve are separated from God on earth. And when they died, their spirits, physically they're separated, and when they die, their spirits would be separated from God forever. They were designed to be with God forever, 
and now sin separated them from God forever. It teaches in Romans that the wages of sin is death. And this is so important. And I don't want to preach fire and brimstone, but if we don't understand this brokenness, then we miss such a big piece. For the wages of sin is death. You guys go to work and you work 40 hours, um, hopefully, and, uh, and, and, and at the end of the month or at the end of the two weeks or at the end of the week, you get paid. And those are your wages. You've earned that. For the work that you've done, you get what you deserve. You get those wages. And the same thing is true spiritually. And God says, the Bible teaches us in Romans, it says that what you deserve for your sin is death, is separation. And so this wasn't, this wasn't just Adam and Eve. This is a condition that we're all plagued into. And it says uh, a little bit later in Romans, it said, for all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You ever, you ever told a lie? You're a liar. You ever taken something that wasn't yours? You're a thief. Have you ever, uh, have, uh, the Bible says, have you ever lusted after uh, somebody in your heart? You're an adulterer. Have you ever hated somebody in your heart? You're a murderer. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is us. This represents you. This represents me. And Adam and Eve, they really ruined it for everybody. But here we are, and all of us have disobeyed God. And because of our decisions, because of your decisions, because of my decisions, we're separated from God by sin. And it's a disease, and it kills us. And so that means on this earth, we don't have the opportunity to have the relationship with God that he wanted because we have disobeyed him, just like Adam and Eve did. And it means that because of this broken, that we're, brokenness, that we're eternally separated from God, and that means hell, eternal separation from God. And that is us. Every one of us are broken. Every one of us has disobeyed God, and every one of us have been separated. But here's the, uh, here's the really cool thing. God, God hated this. This was not his plan. And he set this new plan in action to fix what we broke, and we get to red. I say red, you say gift. Red, yeah. red. Yeah. And this gift was God's attempt to fix this problem. And this gift was Jesus. This gift was Jesus. And it says this. It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That God loved us so much and that while we were still sinners, in the midst of our brokenness, didn't do anything to deserve this gift. Haven't done enough good. You didn't, you didn't like feed enough people or say enough nice things to people to deserve this gift. In the middle of our brokenness, he loved us so much that Christ died for us. And this is crazy, but God in heaven poured himself out into a man named Jesus Christ. And Jesus is God. And God came down to earth to be with us. And for the first time since Adam and Eve messed this up, the disciples and everybody that was around when, when Jesus was around, they got to interact with God. They got to see God in the flesh. And Jesus became this gift. And the gift wasn't just to be with us. The gift wasn't just for Jesus to be with the 12 disciples and to, to preach and to feed thousands of people. There was such a bigger plan than that. And the plan 
was to fix this problem of sin. That verse we looked at in Romans says, for the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. Jesus is God. Jesus is perfect. Jesus doesn't deserve to die. That's not what he's earned. He's earned forever with God. He is God. Jesus came down and he did not deserve to die on a cross. But God said, Jesus said, because I love you so much, I'm gonna make a way and I'm gonna pay the price for your sin. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You deserve to die, but I'm gonna give you a gift and it's eternal life. And that's the gift that Jesus offered when he came on the cross. We didn't deserve to die, and he said, I'm gonna pay your price. I'm gonna do what should happen to you, and I'm gonna die, even though I don't deserve to. When Jesus did that, he paid for our sins. And he took the penalty of what we deserve. And this is the gift of God. And that takes us to white, life. White, white, there you go. It says in Romans, it says you can declare with your mouth and believe, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is God, that God stepped out of heaven and came down to earth in the form of a man. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Your sins can be forgiven. And that's so crucial, uh, the, the, the believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Because what you're saying, what you're saying is that you believe that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and that he overcame it. That Jesus is God and that he died for your sins and then he rose back to life and he overcame your sickness and your problem. It's saying, I believe Jesus is my savior. Because if you don't believe Jesus raised from the dead, then he came to the same fate that we all deserve, which is death, which lasts forever. And he said, I'm not like you, I'm perfect, and I don't deserve this, but I'm gonna do it for you instead. And that's the gift of God and offers life. And, and here's the thing, Jesus on the cross that gift, it's like, it's like a present under the Christmas tree, right? It's all wrapped up. It's beautiful. You wake up on Christmas morning, and it's yours. It has your name on it, but you have to open it. And if you don't receive that gift, then the forgiveness never happens. Jesus says, it's yours. I died for you. I want to give you life, but you have to accept it. You have to believe it's true. You have to believe that you have a problem. Do you believe that you have a problem? Do you believe that you are broken? Not the people sitting next to you. We all know they're broken. But do you believe that you're broken and that your brokenness separates you from God and that it's your fault and that you can't save yourself and that the only person that can save you is Jesus Christ and that he died for you? And what happens when you believe that that's true? Jesus comes into your life, he forgives you of your sin, and now you get to have this relationship with God. And it's not perfect because sin is still here and we still live in this broken world, but Christ becomes a part of your life. It teaches that his spirit, it comes and lives inside of your heart. And you get this connected with, with God, you get to have access to God like you've never had before, and nobody can ever take that away from you. 
It's the gift that can never be taken away. And our bodies are still broken down, but then when we die, we get to go and we get to be with God where it's perfect and the way it was designed to be. And ultimately, Jesus says he's gonna come back and he's gonna totally destroy sin. He's gonna totally destroy it. And then it'll be the way God designed it again. But this, you guys, this is it. This is why we exist. This is why there is 514 Church. This is why students are getting baptized. This is why we gather. And it's so easy to have a faith that that forgets about this. To have a faith that's built on feeling good about yourself. But if, uh, you gotta hear this. I promise you, if you have a faith If you believe in God, if you want to follow God because you like the way it feels, your faith is weak and it will not last. The Bible teaches that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, Christ has overcome the world. You will have trouble. It will not always feel good. So if your faith is based on how it feels, you're going to get really stuck. And it's going to be really confusing. But if your faith is built on this, if your faith is built on the fact that you have sin in your life and that you're broken and that you need saved, if that's what you base your faith on is that you need saved and that Jesus is the only one who can do that, that transcends feelings. That transcends what's going on politically. That transcends what's going on financially. That transcends what's going on relationally. It goes past what's going on in your health. Because those things are all broken and they're a part of this world, but this is a part of a different world. This is a part of the world that God designed originally, and that's the only thing that gets us back to that. And so the question is, do you have Christ? Do you have Christ? My mom told me, uh, I'll never forget this, she said that if I was the only person alive, Jesus would have still died for me. Just for me. So easy to think that that, that Jesus didn't die for you. He died for you. Every single one of you in here, he died for you specifically. And he says, here's the gift. Do you want it? It's yours. And if you've never embraced that, you can have that anytime you want. He's always pursuing you. He's always chasing you. He died for you, and that's never going to change. And he's always, he always wants to have that relationship with you. He wants you to have that. And if you've done that, please, every day remind yourself, Jesus. Make your life about Jesus. Make your life about Christ. Make your life about your brokenness and his perfection. Because as soon as you forget this, your faith is worthless. And that is bold. But I believe that. As soon as you forget who Christ is, your faith doesn't matter at all. Because there's a lot of people who believe that if you just do good things, good things will happen. And if you just do good things, it'll work out in the end. And we do not believe that. We believe that if you believe in Jesus, it'll work out in the end. If you believe that he died for you, it'll work out in the end. Don't have a faith that's not based on Christ. This is what changes people. This is what changed Jules. I mean, if you're a parent in here, you better hope your kids embrace Christ's forgiveness because they're going to need to forgive you and you're going to want them to forgive you. Parenting is hard, and I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure I'm going to mess my kids up a lot, and we're going to spend a lot of money on counseling for our children. 
And I hope they embrace Christ and the forgiveness and everything he represents because when you embrace Christ, it changes your life. It changes everything about you. In a few minutes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give anybody who's never uh, done that before an opportunity to embrace Christ for the first time. That's, that's why we do everything we do. You see students' lives changed. The gift is under the tree. Have you opened it? Have you accepted it? If you want this gift, there's nothing you have to do to deserve it. There's nobody who's made so many bad choices that, that, that what Jesus did doesn't apply to them. It's arrogant to think that your sin is greater than his forgiveness. You think that your sin is more powerful than who he is, than what God did? He wants to forgive you. And so if you want that and you've never done that, then I'm just gonna ask you to repeat in your heart after me. And you can do this now, and if you're not ready, that's okay. But I know that there are people in this room and you feel this, this pit in your stomach, and that's God. He's trying to speak to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. And it's always gonna be there and he's always gonna be chasing after you. So stop fighting. Let those walls crumble and say, you know what, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna take a step of faith. I don't understand it all. It doesn't all make sense. I still have doubts and questions. But you can decide today to believe that he forgave you and start that journey with God. So if you wanna do that, repeat in your heart after me. God, I believe that you made me. God, I believe that my sin separates me from you because I disobey you, because I'm broken. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins, and because of that, I am forgiven. God, be a part of my life. I wanna have a relationship with you. Amen. Hey, I'm gonna do something bold. There's always, uh, I, I love to do this. If you made that decision, if you made that decision, that's the best decision of your life. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand right where you're at. Raise your hand if for the first time ever you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you prayed that prayer. We wanna celebrate you and we wanna acknowledge you and what God is doing in your heart. Is there anybody? If you prayed that prayer, I can't see. If you prayed that prayer, it's real and it matters. And if you didn't, you can pray that anytime you want. And as long as you're part of this church, you're never gonna stop hearing about how Jesus died for you. And if you're not okay with that, then, then just come around. We love you guys. We're glad you're here. So I want everybody to stand up. We're all gonna stand up. And I wanna do something cool. This is a room full of people who believe that Jesus died for him. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. And so if you believe that Jesus is God, then say Jesus is God. Do you believe Jesus is God? If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, say Jesus is God. If you believe that your brokenness separated from, you, from God and that Jesus paid for that, say Jesus is God. That is the truth that our church is built on. And that is what we're gonna sing about and celebrate right now. And so we're gonna lift our voices and we're gonna thank God for what he did in these students' lives and what he's doing in your life and all of our lives for the death that he overcame so that we could have life. Let's sing together. <laughs>